It's Thursday, March 18th, 2021. I'm Tanya Harris, and welcome to TMI Daily, your daily roundup of everything people are talking about online since they aren't allowed to talk about it in person. What a difference a year makes. Yesterday, after Joe Biden called Vladimir Putin a killer during an interview, the Kremlin told its U.S. ambassador to return to Russia. A year ago, the Russian ambassador would have been the only foreigner Donald Trump would have wanted to stay in the country. In response to Joe Biden calling him a killer, Russian President Vladimir Putin said of Biden, it takes one to know one. Thankfully, in the interest of diplomacy, Putin has not escalated to, I'm rubber, you're glue, as of yet. According to palace sources, Prince Philip, who just came home after weeks in the hospital, hasn't been told the full extent of the Harry and Meghan interview fallout. But when he's told, we're sure the prince will greet the allegations of racism with all the understanding and sensitivity you would expect from a 99-year-old rich white man. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton announced that electricity customers in Texas who received astronomically high bills after last month's devastating blackouts will be forgiven those charges. But don't worry, this is Texas. The politicians and businesses who allowed it to all happen in the first place won't be paying for it either. The Dow Jones Industrial Average closed at record highs Wednesday after the Federal Reserve said it expects its key interest rate to remain near zero through 2023. And I had to read about the stock market hitting new highs on a financial website and not some random tweet from the president. What is happening to our country? Edge, uh, elected trader Josh Hawley is now insisting that President Biden has created a security crisis at the southern border. Sadly, this is the first crisis to cause Hawley to admit that Biden won the election. Angelina Jolie says she's ready to offer proof and authority in support of her claim that Brad Pitt committed domestic violence. And according to court documents, she says the kids are willing to testify. Wow, can you imagine how good the HBO documentary will be in 30 years from now after Brad is totally exonerated of all charges? Harry Potter series actor Ralph Fiennes has come to the fence of author J.K. Rowling as she fights disturbing accusations of rampant transphobia. Hey, who would expect Voldemort to defend? Okay, if you didn't read the books or see the movie, that one will completely go over your head. Sorry. While promoting his liquor brand Aviation Gin, Ryan Reynolds live tweeted himself watching the much maligned 2011 film The Green Lantern, saying that it wasn't as bad as its reputation. Well, if Jen can make that crap look good, imagine what it'll do for those last guys left in the bar on a Saturday night. I mean, when bars can open safely again. On the topic of comic book films, the four-hour and two-minute Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League film premiered on HBO Max today with over two hours of never-before-seen footage. Or, as we like to call it, two more hours to question why you chose to watch this. Now, listen it over to tonight's TMI Daily cast and crew roundtable. Stay safe. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of TMI Daily. I'm Veronica Yellow, and as always, I'm joined by my TMI Daily crew. Later on in the show, we're going to be joined by Tony Navarro and Jeff Miller, the host of the Talk Out Loud podcast. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Let's go around and say hello to everyone watching at home or listening to our TMI Daily podcast. Let's start with you, Pete. After Ian came on today, I realized I'm really happy I didn't grow a mustache yet. Not because, no, because I didn't just want to, I didn't want to match with him. That's why. Now, for those of you that are listening and not watching, Ian grew the sexiest mustache ever. He looks like a 70s porn star to me. So I think it's really hot, Ian. Uh, Joe. Hi, everyone listening on a Google podcast and a very happy National Sloppy Joe Day. Also, it is National Awkward Moments Day. That's, I guess, why Ian is wearing that hat. (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth. Um, when Ian came on, I thought he looked like a British uh, detective from the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, yeah. Happy day after St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Can you see Ian in a Perry Mason uh, episode? Oh, Downton Abbey. No. Yeah, no, more Downton Abbey. Killed Lady Charleston. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know why I see, see him in a Perry Mason episode. It seems the silver's missing. <laughs> <laughs> Chris. <laughs> Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, uh, first of all, um, I'm happy. It's Thursday, and we made it. Ian looks like Professor Radigan from The Great Mouse Detective, so it's a good day. <laughs> also, do you have any uh, clues to where uh, uh, Jack the Ripper might be? Any, any clues? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> the Ripper struck again in Whitechapel. <laughs> and the star of tonight's show. Yes. <laughs> What's all this thing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, I'm out. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> That's my contribution. Okay, so let's get started with tonight's show. In the last few days, there has been a lot of talk amongst U.S. politicians about the filibuster, both pro and con. We thought that tonight we would take a look at what the filibuster actually is and why there is so much passion on both sides to either eliminate it or keep it. So first, can someone explain what the filibuster is about and how it came about? Um, Pete, let's start with you. Well, again, I I did research on this this morning, so I'm I'm just prefacing that I'm not that smart. Um, But turns out, strangely enough, that the filibuster um, was started by Aaron Burr um, when he was vice president of the United States. Uh, yeah, um, when he was United, when he was the president, vice president of the United States, um, and actually it, he didn't do it for like any any uh, malevolent malevolent reasons. He actually did it because um, prior to this, um, they would you know, the, the people would get on the floor of the Senate and debate uh, bills till people just got tired of, of of being there and leave. And so, uh, what he came to the conclusion was was um, if seventy five uh, senators would all vote in favor of um of ending the debate then they could move on to um you know to actually voting on the bill uh and so that's where it technically started which it, which is kind of interesting because um the federalist papers that were written by alexander hamilton um stated that they, they should, that that um, all votes should be done by a simple majority and so they were kind of opposed to those two things um, at the same time. And no, what happened is no, over Aaron Burr and ha- Hamilton were opposed to something. Yes, yeah, strangely, no. strangely enough, but um, <laughs> but it started out with seventy-five votes 
um, and then went down to 60 votes um, in the in the mid 1800s. And the, here's a fact I didn't know. And actually, I don't know if anybody else knows, but vo- the, the actual votes for for a bill only need a simple majority. You only need 51 votes. You need 60 votes to, to end the debate on a bill. And that's and that's where they get you, because because what happens is now it used to be that they they used to make these guys because it was mostly guys at the time get on the floor and have to keep speaking um, to to slow down a vote on on a bill and once they stopped that's when the vote would get take place now in the last thirty years because or sometime I think in like the mid either late sixties or early seventies they changed it that now all they have to do is tell um, somebody somebody um, in the the Senate chamber that they're going to um, filibuster and then that basically ends any debate on the uh, on the bill and so the bill can't move forward. Hmm, interesting. So for most people, if they have any knowledge at all about the filibuster, it may come from this scene from the classic 1939 film, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Let's watch. I've got a few things I want to say to this body. I tried to say them once before and I got stopped colder in a mackerel. Well, I'd like to get them said this time, sir. And as a matter of fact, I'm not going to leave this body until I do get them said. President, will the senator yield? The senator yield? No, sir, I'm afraid not. No, sir. I yielded the floor once before, if you can remember, and I was practically never heard of again. No, sir. And we might as well all get together on this yielding business right off the bat now. Uh, I had some pretty good coaching last night. And I find that if I yield only for a question or a point of order or a personal privilege, that I can hold this for almost as old doomsday. In other words, I've got a piece. Have any of you seen this movie? And if so, how close to reality is that particular scene that we just watched? Joe? It's a, well, I'm, it's tough because to take it in the context of when it was done. But I mean, obviously, it has a, a lot of Hollywood uh, um, uh, spin to it. But uh, and also, uh, I'd like to see a senator get this passionate today about you know pennies for for Boy Scout camp. But um, uh, yeah, I mean to the point. But I mean they kind of they kind of made it much more dramatic for Hollywood. But I guess in the time, yeah. I mean you wouldn't see the same thing now, but back in the day, yes. Mm-hmm. It's actually you know for whatever it's worth, it is actually really accurate because in theory. Um, as long as any one senator wants to keep speaking, um, they can't close the debate on a vote. And, and in the movie, you know, not to spoil anything for anyone, but it came out in 1939. So if you haven't seen it yet, you're probably you know, not going to. Um, yeah. He actually debates for a full 24 hours, then passes out and nearly dies. Um, and he uh, and, and and Jimmy Jimmy Stewart when he made the movie he actually caused himself to um, to irritate he ir- irritated his throat so that by the time that uh, he'd do that last scene he sounded gravelly voiced but yeah it's it's actually pretty accurate to what to what the actual intent of the filibuster is mm-hmm. Elizabeth uh, I hope I'm not jumping ahead because I haven't seen the movie but um, the filibuster <laughs> stuff I think of. Uh, involves actual Senator Strom Thurmond reading a, from a cookbook at some point on the Senate floor to uh, try to delay or kill a, a bill. That's that's actually what I think of when I think of filibusters. Yeah, you keep going until you like kill the bill or or um, it gets voted on. Yeah, he, if that was, you're talking about the Civil Rights Act. 
Right. He, um, he was trying to delay the Civil Rights Act from being passed. And so he, he spent, I don't know how many hours it was, but yeah, he read cookbooks. He did, he mm-hmm. did everything he could to stay on, on stage, but eventually he had to stop yeah. and they did vote on it and it did pass. So when Democrats took control of all three legislative branches of government in January, there were already calls to use a simple majority to remove the filibuster. Can someone explain how that would actually work? didn't do any reading before the show i'm sorry <laughs> uh, again it's it's uh it's just a, it's a simple parliamentary thing that they do uh, apparently and again this is just how weird our government is if if one senator stands up and says that something that they believe something that um that that's being put forward is is out of order Meaning anything like if, if, if they're if somebody wants wants to uh, to, to, you know, get on on um, on the floor and actually say, you know, praise Alaska today, let's say they want to praise Discovery Plus since it's the greatest streaming service ever. <laughs> another another um, senator can can uh, make a motion to that, that it's out of order. And if it's out of order at that point, then uh, if somebody seconds it. They can vote on it, and if they vote, and, and if they when they vote on it, they all you need is a simple majority to actually pass something. So, in theory, if somebody were to say um, were to try to push forward a filibuster, somebody could say it's it's out of order, and then it would call. They could basically vote fifty. You know, they just need the fifty-one votes to actually pass it. That's how. This, you know, some people might might remember this. That's how in 2017 the Republicans were able to lower the threshold to 51 votes for um, for a Supreme Court justice, and how back in 2014 the Democrats did it with uh, with like um, federal judges and and uh, and like uh, municipal judges. So yeah, they just have to say something's out of order, and there's no reason not like they have no no way to be stopped by doing that. Okay. So the, so the argument to remove the filibuster intensified during the passage of the American Relief Act and with any future Biden agendas essentially stalled in a divided Senate now. More Democrats like top Democratic senators Chuck Schumer and Dick Durbin are calling for it to be either changed or removed. I think we have a speech. Nearly 65 years after Strom Thurmond's marathon defense of Jim Crow the filibuster is still making a mockery of American democracy. The filibuster is still being misused by some senators to block legislation urgently needed and supported by a strong majority of the American people. The filibuster was a mistake to begin with, and it's gotten worse over time. I've been long open to changing the Senate rules to restore the standing filibuster. If a senator insists on blocking the will of the Senate, he should at least pay the minimal price of being present No more phoning it in. If your principles are that important, stand up for them. Speak your mind. Hold the floor and show your resolve. Others have proposed different reforms, including the reducing the number of votes needed to invoke cloture, creating a tiered system of voting in which a filibuster can be broken with successively smaller majorities and ultimately a simple majority. Some have suggested that we forbid filibusters of bills that pass out of the committee with bipartisan support. I support discussing any proposal that ends the misuse of a filibuster as a weapon of mass destruction. We Democrats, all of us, believe we need big, bold change. As I've said before, we hope our Republican colleagues will work with us to produce that change. We will try to get them to work with us. But if not, we will put our heads together and figure out how to go, and everything is on the table.
Biden, who initially was against any changes to the filibuster, opened the door in an interview with George Stephanopoulos. Let's take a look. I'll talk for one second because you're very quick mm-hmm. to, to move forward. I just, uh, I feel proud for remembering this job for I did like that one, yeah, that that one clip. That's why you're a trivia queen. Okay, I'm, we're ready. Here we go. So aren't you going to have to choose? I know you've been reluctant to do away with the filibuster. Aren't you going to have to choose between preserving the filibuster and advancing your agenda? Yes. But here's the choice. I don't think you have to eliminate the filibuster. You have to do it what it used to be when I first got to the Senate. And that is that a filibuster, you had to stand up and command the floor. Once you stopped talking, you lost that. And someone could move in and say, I moved the question of. So you got to work for the filibuster. So you're for that reform. You're for bringing back the talking filibuster. I am. That's what it was supposed to be. Just put a hold on it. That's it. Yeah. It almost is getting to the point where democracy's having a hard time functioning. To Mitch McConnell making a very threatening speech yesterday on the floor of the Senate. And I believe we also have. Nobody serving in this chamber can even begin can even begin to imagine what a completely scorched earth Senate would look like. It would not open up an express lane for the Biden presidency to speed into the history books. The Senate would be more like a hundred car pileup, nothing moving. Only one who thinks that McConnell's speech was coming out of fear of what the Democrats might be preparing to do. What are your thoughts on this? Elizabeth, let's start with you. Yeah, because I'll be honest, I did not realize. I thought if you, I, you know, I've heard of people using the filibuster in the past few years. I thought it was still you had to stand and do the talk, talk it out basically mm-hmm. and hold your ground. I did not realize that you could, it's like a little technicality thing. You can just be like, filibuster, I call filibuster. You can't you can't do the thing now. Yeah, it's like a like a fucking toddler on the playground. It's like, uh now now this is safe. I was safe the whole time, you know, in this game of tag. Like that's what it feels like. So yeah, I think if his little because t- he loves to exploit the technicality, Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you you take that away from him, he will be very sad and go into his shell. Mm-hmm. Chris, what do you think? Well, first of all. Mitch McConnell is a 179-year-old tortoise. And of course, any kind of change that happens around him, he's scared of because he moves as slow as a snail and he's going to get passed by. And he probably is afraid that he's going to lose his job if more shit advances because clearly he hasn't like advanced past, I don't know, the 1950s, it seems like. So every little bit of change that, that occurs in any kind of political world or climate or social climate I think he's just afraid of it because he hasn't gone past, you know, the last few decades. Mm-hmm. Okay, Pete? Well, I mean, it, it definitely comes out of fear because, you know, for him to say that nothing would get accomplished, well, that's what the last seven years have been since, or six years since he's been the, he, since since the he took over as majority leader, first when Obama was still president, and then all the years when Trump was in office, because he got he he purposely didn't allow anything to happen, and so now he's basically trying to threaten that the same thing that was happening while he was the was the majority leader would happen without him being the majority leader, which has actually no validity because the reality of it is 
if there's no filibuster, nothing would stop working um, because there'd be nothing to stop them. Like, you know, like, I mean, that's, that's the problem for either side. I, I mean, the reality it is that whoever's in charge of, of the Senate at that point basically, you know, is in charge of, the, of, of making the laws if, if there's no filibuster. So, so, you know, as much as like, you know, we might say, oh, yeah, this is a great idea. Let, let, let's get rid of the filibuster. What happens four years from now if there's a Republican president, you know, and, and then a Republican Senate? Um, that, then you're then you're in the same boat as 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 the Republicans are right now, and so yeah, but it's definitely fear because he's not he's not threatening anything that's that's that 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 wasn't already happening when he was run when he was running the show. Okay, Joe. I mean, he left so far what two hundred and sixty-seven bills on his desk more that he never even presented. More. I thought it was, was it more. I thought it was two sixty-seven. Anyway, you know whatever. So he's talking out his butt if he's thinking now now it's gonna it's gonna uh block up the Senate. Um I mean he's been doing it for years, so yeah, it is a lot about that. And then also I'm kinda of obsessed how my head kinda of looks like the bun on this <laughs> sloppy Joe. I'm a little weird it's a little weird. Your head does look today, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. That's the record. Hold on. <laughs> So, so let me bring something else up. I know there's been a lot of talks too about what's been happening with like the Voting Rights Act and the um, Violence Against Women's Act. Can anybody talk about, you know, what connection that has with all of this and what's going on and with all this, all these things? Go ahead, Pete. I mean, so right now, just today, the uh, the Congress passed essentially the uh, the Dreamers Act. To, I mean, they did the uh, the path to to citizenship for Dreamers. Now that's going to end up in the Senate. It's not going to go anywhere. Um, a few days ago, they they passed um, the John Lewis bill um, for the for voting rights. That's not going to go anywhere in the Senate because you need sixty votes to get it to to get it to the floor for a vote. Um, two days ago, I think it was they they um, they re um, they reestablished the uh, the the, uh, violent, the the I guess it's the Violence Against Women Act. I think it. Or, I or, think so. Yeah. yeah. I can't um, it's yeah. It, which is which is crazy because. It, it, it was it was uh, it was something that was put into law that had an expiration date that had to, had to kept getting re, uh, reauthorized every every few years, and it was um, getting authorized every, every I think it's it's it, I think it's every two years, um, and it was getting authorized every two years until Trump took office, and then they didn't authorize it, and now the Republicans don't want to authorize it because they want the provisions taken out about um, if, if, if a man has been charged and found guilty of, a, of, of any kind of assault against a woman that he can't buy a gun. Um, oh, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, that'll do yeah, it. So, so they day, want huh? that taken out because they want them to still be able to buy a gun. You know, because probably the guys didn't didn't hurt a woman with a gun. They probably just used their She hand. had it coming, though, you yeah. know? So... So what I think is actually happening, I mean, me personally, is that Biden is really against getting rid of the filibuster. But I think what 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 they're trying to do in, in Nancy Pelosi is very smart in a sense. Um, I think she's putting all these these bills into the Senate that she knows that are never going to get passed so that there's so much pressure at some point for for the decision to be made to either change the filibuster or get rid of it. Because look at all these things that, that could help people. And the problem is, if all these bills get passed 
there's just the Republicans can't win again. I, I mean, you, you know, when when you when when you authorize, you know, uh, like all these bills to go through, like every 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 immigrant who becomes an American citizen because of the Dreamers Act, they're not going to be voting Republican. They, they never were going to vote Republican anyway, except that they were in Florida. Um, you know, and and you know, like violence against women. You know, okay, so we now know the Republicans don't like women very much. So it's if that gets if if that gets passed. That, you know, they're not going to do too much. They were already doing badly with women. It's only going to get worse. You know, it's all. That's not true. They love women so much. They want to tell them exactly what to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's been pretty clear for a while, I think, that that they don't like women. I don't know if that's really surprising. Uh Did you deduce that? (laughs) (laughs) I need a pipe. I need like a pipe or something. Yeah. Yeah. Elizabeth. Yeah, no, the, the. it's it's so frustrating that they're not you know especially knowing that they just passed a bunch of stuff in georgia i think they're trying to do something in arizona to restrict voting access to basically you know people of color um who voted in droves for biden this go around and knowing that i forget i think it was the arizona representative was like you know maybe not everybody should vote like there should be it shouldn't be a a quantity it should be a quality thing you literally said something really close along those lines and that's just you know uh well arizona uh, also tried to like have it where where if they didn't like what the final election was they can just throw that out yeah (laughs) it's it's so ridiculous 160 bills in 43 states that are that are out there right now yeah trying to fuck over voting yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, no, finish. No, I was just—I was going to say—and that's—and that's another one of those things that—that if—if—if the—the thing that the uh, House passed got through the Senate, it would protect voting for everybody. But again, it can't happen because they're not going to be able to get the sixty votes to actually vote on it. Um, and so, I, I mean, I really think that it's a, probably just more of a pressure campaign at this point. It's two things. Number one, it's making Republicans go on the record to show we're not voting for these things like they did with the uh, with the relief bill. But yeah. it's also trying to keep sending a message to Biden. Look, if you want to get anything done, you, you, we got to get rid of this. You know, and that's and that's where the you know, the problem was the only problem for the Democrats is that they have two senators that say that they won't. Um, that they won't, um, you know, vote to uh, to get rid of the filibuster. Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinnamon from Arizona. Um, Is she the thought, one who did the thumbs down on the middle yeah, of the thing? Fuck that chick, yeah. man. Fuck her. I, and, and I think she was trying to she was trying to be the John McCain because she's from Arizona, and it's like just come on that you you, you voted against something that actually helps people. Yeah, not, not the other way around. God damn it. Yeah. So I guess my, my final question to you guys in regards to this is what do you think Democrats should do about the filibuster in your opinion? I think, I think bare minimum bring back that you have to talk it out. Cause I feel like, you know, making people go on record on the Senate floor, like the, like the clip we had, where it's like, if you have the courage of your conviction and, and your stance, you can, you know, speak on it. And, you know, at length, um, I don't think you should be able to pull shenanigans and read from a cookbook, especially if you're trying to knock down civil rights. That's pretty shitty. Don't do that. But I also feel like if, if you force them to speak on it 
I feel like they'll tri- they'll trip up and say something really fucking crazy, and maybe we can use it against people. That's a good point. I feel like Josh Holly is gonna like be like, I will filibuster, I will speak on it, and then he'll be like, you know who I fucking hate, like, just in the middle of the night by accident and, like, blow up. And That's one of the reasons why they, that is one of the reasons why they don't want it, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. So, uh-huh. Because everybody, there, there's such a, a a fine point on, you know, watching everybody that they'll take anything. Yeah. If you have to sit up there and talk for 24 hours, do you know how many, like, little quotes and bits that they could pull from that? Like, 3 a.m., he's that. just going to yeah. go, you know what I think is a great idea? The Handmaid's Tale. Who's with me? Hear yeah. me out. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's going to be like, shit, fuck. It's going to be great. <laughs> Bro, that was a good time. Like, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I want to add to the, to the filibuster. Like the worst that, open that, mic, though. That <laughs> every 15 minutes, you have to take a shot of Malort. <laughs> yes malort have you never heard of malort no oh okay next time next time you're over maybe you can you can get in michigan but, but i know next time you're in chicago pick up a bottle ever made no bunch of uh dad uh, and his wife and a bunch of cousins are all in chicago so there's a chance yeah, right, no. Pick, if you pick some up, bring, uh, let us know. Bring it. I think we should all take a shot of it. But hey, any, oh, no. every no. fifteen minutes you got to take a shot of Malort. Nope. <laughs> Ian knows what I'm talking about. I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> but like, I feel like I didn't say it would be the worst open mic ever. Where it's like, <laughs> oh my god, give him the light, please. <laughs> But low key, that would be actually kind of a good way to find out like who's really fucked up in politics. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? Doesn't that Matt Gates secretly have like a young like lover? And be like, God, I miss Jerry. Yeah. Fuck, I met Sarah. God damn it. <laughs> so I, I mean, the, the thing is that if 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 this were to happen, if the filibuster were to be removed. What Democrats have to do is they already have to have a plan in place, because what you literally need to do is you need to then know that like one of the next bills that comes comes before the Senate is is to uh, give statehood to Washington, D.C., or possibly give statehood to Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico, because the thing is, once you put this thing in motion, you have to do everything you can to keep the other side from getting power again anytime soon. And, and the best way to do that, obviously, would be to make two states that are that are never going to be anything but blue, um, you know, the two places make them states. So, uh, yeah, I mean, but if not, the talking filibuster probably be the best bet, because anything else, you know, really is just going to a slippery slope that we're going to all be complaining about there being, a, you know, no filibuster when the Republicans are in power again. Mm-hmm. OK, so um, our guests are ready to come on. So let's bring them on. All right. For anyone who saw the Obama presidency as a real time of change and inclusion for people in the gay and trans community, the last four years must have been very disheartening. With Joe Biden now in the White House and Democrats controlling the House and the Senate, we wanted to see how members of the community saw the near future in the U.S. Our guests tonight, Jeff Miller and Anthony Navarro, created the podcast Talk Out Loud to give voices to the stories of the LGBTQIA plus community. Please welcome Jeff and Anthony. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Hi, we're great. How are you? Good, thank you. We're doing well. Uh, thanks for coming on. <laughs> thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Uh, well, we have a lot we're going to talk to you guys about. So I have a couple of questions for you first, and then I'm going to go ahead and open it up to the panel. Sure. So before we get too far into our conversation, can you tell our audience about yourselves and about how and why you started Talk Out Loud? 
Yeah, so I'm Jeff, and this is Anthony here to my left. And um, so we started, uh, we have an event production company. We travel all over the country, and uh, we get to do a lot of really cool events. And that experience, we got to meet a lot of really just amazing people. And I grew up in Indiana, and growing up in Indiana, I didn't really know too many other gay, let alone LGBTQI people growing up. And so I was like, you know what, like, I feel like we've met these wonderful people, which is amazing stories that, like, I felt almost kind of selfish, keeping them all to ourselves, that we wanted to share them with the rest of the world. And then, you know, like uh, everyone else, COVID happened. And as an event production company, we had to basically shut down. And it really became the perfect way for us, like all of you know, to start a new project. And uh, that's how Talk Out Loud was born. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, it was a pretty good project to start. Yeah. <laughs> So you guys said you started the podcast late last September, so right before the November elections. Were the elections as important an important time for you both? And if so, why? Yeah, I mean, so I know for both of us, we were, um, it weighed on both of us uh, just because of, there, there was, we felt like there was a lot um, riding on the election. Uh, there was a uh, so much happened last year that was really tough. And for, for us personally, it was really important uh, to see things happen the way that they turned out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeff, do you want to add anything? Yeah, and, and I'd also like to even add now that even like current elections right now, and they, you know, not just this one race, we have 30 other states right now that are, uh, you know, making laws and bills that are affecting a lot of our trans and intersex friends and family as well, too. Um, so it's not like we've crossed a finish line. Um, and I think it's important just to keep that in mind as well, too. Mm-hmm. Well, so with that being said, um, can you talk a little bit about some of today's most pressing issues for the LGBTQIA plus community? Yeah, I mean, right now, I, I think that uh, the, the pressing one it would be specifically what's, what's happening um, across the country. I think I think it's important to step back for a second and and just to, just to, before we get into politics, it's just the importance of understanding. And that's why what we do, what we do is mm-hmm. that, you know, I didn't know necessarily a, a trans individual or an intersex person before I came out. We would go out to the clubs and we would see people we didn't quite understand. And I've got to have understanding. And I found that like with friends and family, I've been like to share stories about people that we've met. They're like, oh, wow, I never, I, I never knew that. I never thought that. And so I think that as you're seeing, like in the past week, this past week, you've seen two fathers in different states in Missouri, um, I think also in Alabama and Mississippi, that have gone and spoke, you know, in front of the local legislators about their daughters or their sons that have said, you know, eight years ago, I didn't understand this as well either, but let me tell you my experience. So that's really today what, what's happening today um, that really is important to be discussed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. So then, you know, you gave those examples of, you know, the two parents. Um, do you think as a country, we're becoming more open and inclusive? Or do we still have a lot of work to do, in your opinion? So I think, you know, in so many ways, we've made a lot of progress in a very short amount of time. Um, you know, if you think about it, uh, marriage equality, this is we're going into our sixth year of marriage equality being uh, there. So in just a short amount of time, I feel like there's a lot of strides that we've made. But, you know, in in the recent weeks, just seeing, um, you know, a lot of these bills being passed against uh, transgender people, you know, in different states, where, uh, you know, transgender youth are not, they have to play on the sports teams uh, that they were, uh, you know, when they were born, uh, the gender that they were born with, they have to play on that team. You know, so 
there's still a lot of work to do. And it's not just, I would think here, then when you start looking in other parts of the world, it's like, there really is yeah. a lot more work that has to be done. It's been, it's actually, it's, it's been kind of a bit of a, a challenging week um, from the Pope's uh, yeah. that he signed off of this past week, which we kind of felt like the, the, un, un, the unspoken, the way things were, were, were trending, it was almost like two steps back. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, Anthony and I are married. We, 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 we live a pretty good life, easy life. But when we're like, like say, you know, you get on, um, you know, any social media app, it's Clubhouse specifically, and you're hearing stories from people in Mexico or other parts of the country that maybe that Catholicism really dictates like their family values, where kids are whispering on their microphone because they don't feel safe that if their parents over here. And, you know, and it's not just for, for LGBT rights. It's also with some of these, some of these sports bills actually, um, for women as well too the fact of being subjectified about you know your genitalia like that you know and, and to test a barrier of what testosterone levels are and, and here's the thing like we have friends and family that have daughters that play collegiate sports and and, and you know and, and i understand that i think that if we can really get to really talking and understand the fact that there are people that have both a vagina and testicles you know um right. that there is not just this we create these systems to help organize the world, but sometimes when we don't know about something, we don't include it in the system. And um, our desire is just to help introduce some, you know, the rest of the world and, and to, to get to know these people the way we have. Um, we're all just humans. And when we elevate the humanity in each other, we elevate the humanity in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's the important thing to keep doing what you're doing. Um, so I, we, we looked up a poll that was done by the Public Religion Research Institute. It was done in October of 2020. And according to this poll, 70% of Americans support same-sex marriage. So why does it seem like the other 30% have so much power when it comes to marriage equality, for instance? Any thoughts on that? You know, I, I mean, I started political science in college uh, for a little bit, and, and unfortunately, with with our electoral system, the primary system, the big, the people that are the hardcore people are the ones that show up. So a lot of times, the people that get the pander to the base, it's more extremists. When we know that actually a lot of America, more of America is actually more moderate, honestly. And and unfortunately, I think it's just, you know something we have to. And you, and you can look at this also right now. What's happening um, where moderate Republicans, um, the the hard right is talking about running a more uh, conservative candidate out to push them out of office. So that that's no good because then we're just not having conversations and only 20% 10th of the population is having the, you know, is the, the controlling the voice of what's happening, you know, in our system. And it wasn't designed to work that way, honestly, either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and adding on to that, I think the other thing that, I mean, we hear from uh, friends and then also just from people on the show is, you know, a lot of times it's religion that plays into it. So it's not so much people's, you know, spirituality or anything like that. It's religious leaders, like we saw this week, you know, uh, from the Catholic Church coming down and saying, you know, saying things like this is not right or we don't have, we're not going to give our blessing or whatnot. And that really does have uh, an influence on a large part of the population. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I consider myself an ally to your community. Um, so and I'm sure a lot, all of us here on the panel as well. Um, how can others be allies to the community, to your community? And how do you define being an ally? Yeah, that's, that's, a, a, that's, a, that's a really wonderful question. And, and, and you know what, like, thank you so much for everyone, you know, who's here this evening, anyone who's listening. Um, that's the thing, like, I think when I start using the word I a lot, it's like when we start talking in the we, what we can accomplish together, 
like we all get to feel good. We get to have a scene. We get to be a part of this, this wonderful world that we live in and, and how it's evolving and changing. You know, it's not finished. It's just still, it's still in the making. Um, and, and so sometimes the word ally recently, um, people who have, who I've tried to help, who I've, you know, said, Hey, let me be an ally. They're like, Jeff, they're like, we need you to you know, take that A and turn it into advocacy. And so it's like, you know, when, when a family member make, maybe makes a comment, it's not about like talking down from like a moral high ground about something. It's about, like, Hey, you know what? Like maybe being humble be like, you know what? Like I didn't understand this either. And you know what? Like I had this preconceived idea and, um, and, and this is what I found out, you know? And, um, and I think that, that, that when we approach things that way, um, all of us, like, you know, after tonight's conversation um, about, you know, oh, you know, maybe I'm not qualified to speak on, on intersex issues, but we have, you know, a wonderful interview with this uh, intersect activist named Seven Grand, who does an amazing job about creating understanding and telling their story. So I think it's about visibility, connecting people with the stories so that we can experience you know, there's something about when someone's telling a story that we take away judgment. Judgment kind of just leaves a room. That dualism leaves a room. Um, and so I think as an advocate, you know, connecting, helping people, what has changed your heart and mind? Connecting your friends and family to what's changed your heart and mind. Yeah. And the only other thing I would add to that is when, you know, and, and we learn this too, being, you know, allies for other people within our own community is showing up and, um, you know, being there not having any preconceived notions on what I can do for you. It's being quiet and asking the, and asking, what is it that you need help with? Or how can I support you? Just like you did, you know, how can you support? And I think just by asking those questions, people will tell you what they need. And then if you have the resources to provide, that's great. And if you don't have them, you may know someone that will. So I think it's uh, uh, also just important to remember that to, you know, We've been uh, these last like couple of weeks, we've just been in a lot of these rooms on Clubhouse. And, you know, there's people that show up into these uh, LGBTQIA rooms and they are allies and it's wonderful and it's great. And they, you know, sometimes people bring what they think they can offer to the table when that's not really what, you know, somebody needs. What they need is, you know, something totally different. And if they would just listen or ask first and then listen to what they need, they might be able to help and be more effective that way. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a couple more questions for you. <laughs> they just, they just kind of keep popping in my head. Yeah, um, with me. Uh, what advice can you give to young people that are struggling with coming out and just being who they are, being true to themselves? Any advice that you can give them based on your own experience? Yeah, I would, I would say, um, I know for myself that I listened to, I gave a lot of uh, negative thoughts, power in my head for a long time. And, um, and that was, that was something that I had to realize that I had to change for myself. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, for all of us, like, it doesn't matter, gay, straight, LGBTQIA+, we, we, there's something with inside of, we have this truth thermometer with inside of our soul that if we get quiet and we listen to it. And um, so sometimes, so like finding people that are going to, you know, honor the dignity in me, like the people, when I, when I leave from being around someone, do I feel better about myself or worse about myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so there's just, it's a different world than, you know, 20 years ago than when Anthony and I came out. Um, and so there's a lot of, um, but, but here's the thing, we have this wonderful thing with social media where we can reach out, but they also like, when you, when most of us here were younger, if there was any bullying going on, we went home at the end of the day, we got a break from it. And at the same token, that can also follow us home at the end of the day as well, too. So it's really important um, with telling people, like, you know, the young people, like, hey, you know what, like, when someone's talking to you like that, you know, like, 
figuring out a way to create healthy boundaries um, for yourself. Yeah. And I, you know, I think the other thing is when it's just important to keep in mind that, you know, I, like I know for myself when I came out that it, it was a process. It wasn't just like something like where one day I was all of a sudden I was like, I'm, I'm gay. It was, it was a process for myself that I had to go through to be comfortable just to say those words to myself and then being able to start saying them to other people. So I think that it's, you know, something uh, to keep in mind for that. And then the other thing is, especially with maybe some youth that are in um, maybe where if they do come out, they're going to be in an unsafe situation is that they need to take that into consideration. And because the, the first and foremost safety is what we need to be concerned with. So you don't want to, you know, you, you may be excited that uh, you've come to this realization, you want to express yourself. But if you're in an unsafe situation, you need to reach out to, for help to be able to help get that transition, uh, you know, in place so that you're not thrown out of your house. You hear these stories all the times of like young gay, young queer kids, you know, being thrown out of their homes. So one of the, it's just important to like know that it can be a process and that you've got to take, you know, everybody's situation is different. For me, I mean, just between the two of us, our situations were completely different. I came from a family with my, where my uncle was gay. So for me coming out, it was like no big deal. You know, Jeff was a different situation for him. So. No, that's, that's wonderful advice. And thank you for, for sharing that with us and with our audience. Um, so the last thing I want to talk about is some of the things that we had talked about when we talked prior to this is the representation of your community in Hollywood. Is Hollywood doing a good job? And if so, I also want you to tell me what is one of the most positive figures from the LGBTQ community or characters, I should say. Let's talk about characters first that you've seen on television or in movies that you think have a very positive influence. Sure. I mean, so for me personally, so I'm like a big, uh, I've always been like into uh, Marvel and DC comics. And if you look at the DC comics uh, television series, Flash, The Arrow, that uh, Supergirl, uh, Batwoman, all of those, um, they do a phenomenal job at represent at interspersing queer characters into the stories. Um, I mean, uh, the leading role of uh, Batwoman is, uh, is a lesbian woman. So um, it's, uh, they're doing a really good job there. And I, you know, I, I think a lot of uh, shows uh, just looking at like on Netflix, like just thinking like, Every show that we watch, I shouldn't say every show, but many of the shows that we watch, there are, you know, queer characters interspersed within um, the storyline. So um, in many ways, uh, you know, Hollywood is doing a really great job at introducing those queer characters. You know, one of our favorite shows uh, is Pose, um, and it has been, uh, you know, since it came out. And that's, uh, you know, another great show to look at uh, for representation as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jeff. What about you? Uh, yeah. So I mean, right now, like I'm really excited about Pose coming out May third. Um, Ryan Murphy Productions, Ryan Murphy Television, has done such a great job for, for years now with with bringing in LGBTQI characters into our television. Um, I actually just heard last week that Glad actually, uh, which monitors representation, actually um, that as far as like for gay and lesbian characters, that we're actually population wise represented about like for what the population is. Where, where we're struggling a little bit is, is it for like intersex people and, um, and for trans people. But uh, we're really excited with, with what's um, River Gallo um, 
and uh, Seven Graham are working on um, with Stephen Fry um, and uh, some probably the first ever blockbuster film to represent intersex, intersex characters in the make right now. Um, so we're really optimistic. And uh, obviously, um, I think that if anyone has a chance to watch um, Disclosure on Netflix, I would highly recommend that right now. That changed. So good. Yeah, right? So good. I mean, like, it, hands down, that's probably the best thing I could tell you tonight to go, go home and watch would be yeah. Disclosure on Netflix. Yeah. And, you know, just building on what Jeff said, too, it's, you know, the this transition of, you know, watching and seeing a lot of, you know, gay and lesbian characters properly represented, you know, on uh, television right now. We just have to get to that point where we're seeing more queer, more transgender, more intersex people um, represented, too, because we've seen what that does. We, we've seen that the more queer, the more gay and lesbian characters there are on television, you know, the more that it makes it familiar to a broader audience. And, you know, once we can do that with transgender characters and with intersex characters, a lot of those, you know, things that we talked about at the beginning of the interview, a lot of that is going to start, I don't want to say go away, but it's not going to be, I think, as rampant because there's going to be more acceptance, more understanding. People are going to understand, uh, you know, that that person's experience from watching those characters on television. Yeah, I mean, as humans, we're just afraid of the unknown. Yeah, and I think, and I know we talked about this when we talked on the phone, I also think, like, Schitt's Creek did a wonderful job. You know, with the character with David and um, Patrick, they're in a small town, and and it's just accepted. Like, nobody questioned anything. They weren't in a big city. They were, you know, in a small town where people could have easily, you know, questioned their relationship, and they didn't. I think they did such a fantastic job with that, too, so... Okay, well, let me open it up to the panel now. Any questions for Jeff and Anthony? Um, let's start with you, Pete. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I want to actually, I want to ask a question before I ask the question, because because I was actually wondering this earlier today. Um, since since the acronym LGBTQIA+, is kind of a mouthful, is there is there a term that just kind of like an umbrella of everything so you know so when when you're talking to somebody you could ask you could say something that that just kind of covers everything that you're saying i'm just because i'm curious yeah so um so it's honestly it's a really great question and 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 i just want to just uh lesbian gay bisexual transgender right that's been around for for a while now and then in the last few years we started ending on queer is q for queer and then transgender And, and i honestly some of the younger, like queer for me growing up was a derogatory word, right? And, and but the, the generation today has kind of taken the power back on that. And also like, I have friends that maybe are in a relationship with someone who identifies as trans, who may be a cisgender female, but they feel that they identify as queer in the context of the umbrella of their relationship. Um, there's also been, uh, you might see like NB sometimes, which is added on, which is for non-binary. You know, some people that identify as, as you know, kind of fluid. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, the last thing I'll say is, is that, like, specifically on our podcast, we have I on there. Because with, like, Seven Graham and River Gallo, who I mentioned earlier, until what happened was two years ago, Anthony and I were at Outfest, at Fusion, and they debuted their movie. And it was the first, it was the, the, it was the short film for what they want to make uh, that Stephen Fry had, had helped with, um, with them to, to produce. And, and I didn't really understand intersex people before. And, and Seven explained to me that, without having that eye there, that they actually become invisible and they're not part of the conversation. And it's so important to understand. I think that with, with, with right now what's happening with trans people, 
if we can um, complement the conversation with intersex people as well too, that we can bridge this understanding. There's just what we can accomplish together so much more, um, you know, and that's just where we're at today. It'll probably change in five years for sure. <laughs> but I mean, for today, the way that it is, it, it really is important that we say every single letter because okay. what it does is it gives visibility to every single person in our community. It holds a place for this in this it conversation does. we're having right now. Sure. So actually, my actual question was, when, when, when uh, Veronica started talking about, about having you guys on, I, I was trying to think of like the kind of questions I might want to ask. And, and it started dawning on me that I, I'm a straight white male, so I'm in the most boring demographic you can, you can, you can kind of go to, in a sense. Um, and, and I'm wondering if that's kind of the point. Like, do you, is the end game with, with people in the community to just be kind of considered boring just like everybody else that there's that there's no that's that, like, you know when people are walking down the street nobody's looking at, at anybody uh curiously and there's nothing you know it, there's, it's just it's like just common, common. Mm-hmm. commonplace peter commonplace yeah yeah no peter that's a wonderful question that's a wonderful question and back to like you know Veronica, we've gotten to the place now where david can be on Shit's creek and it's not about him being gay it's just right. him living his life yeah. And so, because we've had 20, I mean, it's, we've had years and years of from, from Will and Grace where they were non-sexual, just two people that it wasn't, you know, they couldn't really push the envelope with a love relationship there, you know, um, with, with, with Jack, he was kind of like the effeminate, like funny guy. And, you know, it just, there's just layers there. So, um, I mean, at the end of the day, we all just want to be like, you know, we just, Anthony and I have dogs, we get up in the morning, we make breakfast, we do the same things everybody else does, you know, we're pretty boring to be honest. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, Ian, you had a question too. Uh, I do have a question, but first I want to add to that. Um, I think it's not so much about being mundane or normal or uh, boring because there's plenty of straight people that are weird as fuck and get in some kinky <laughs> shit. <That's laughs> right. I mean, I, I didn't mean it in the sense No, 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 I don't mean what I did. It's just nobody looks at me funny because I'm a straight white man. Absolutely, that's true. <laughs> And think, we have a story in our head already about you, who you are, even though I haven't met right. you, right? Yeah. Right. And then, like you would have a story about us, right? And it's, yeah. I think what it boils down to is like just getting rid of shame for everybody. Yes. There's yeah. so much shame around everything, especially when it comes to sex and, and gender and who you are as a person, as an individual, and just getting rid of that for everybody, gay, straight, lesbian, bi- bisexual, transgender, everyone. So nobody gives a shit about what anybody's doing and you can do whatever the fuck you want. And nobody cares. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so my question is um, uh, the Obama administration, of course, is famous for kind of pushing and passing the, the gay marriage, gay equality. What would you like to see Biden's uh, mm. what do you think Biden's biggest accomplishment should be during his term as far as for the LGBTQIA community? Yeah. I mean, so I think right now uh, where the community like another layer of the community that really needs help is uh, back to, you know, the transgender folks uh, within the community. You know, uh, Black transgender uh, women are uh, the most vulnerable people within our community. Um, And I think, uh, you know, listening sort of how they uh, stepped in um, uh, when he was inaugurated and knowing that, transgendered rights are on his radar. And I think that we'll see something, uh, I, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I think that he's really going to be pushing for uh, equal rights for all of us in that respect. 
Yeah, I I don't really know if it's one thing. Um, I, and I really love Ian how you brought up the, the shame though, because these conversations we're having about like with with gender now is now is including gender, not just sexuality. Mm-hmm. This is affecting women's rights. It's affecting the, the way we, we treat everyone. How we're going to you know how your daughter gets talked to, you know. Um, and and also I think that uh, voting rights, like Anthony said, uh, you know whether it's laws right now in Georgia where they're trying to change things and make it harder for people to vote. Um, you know, if you, if you have to win the election by discrediting the vote, what it, I think it's better to try and come together. And so that we can actually all have representation at the table. Um, Cause I honestly think that, um, and I've been on, you know, both sides of the fence on different issues. And um, as somebody who was an internalized gay male that was in the closet years ago, um, that I, I think that I'm very optimistic about just the, the national conversation and how the dialogue has shifted in the last couple of months. Joe? Um, thanks for coming on, guys, by the way. I'm really glad that you guys are here. Um, as someone, because we had said how much uh, things have moved along in the last 20 years, for someone that was a teenager in the 80s, I've seen huge strides that we've made compared to what just happened just then, you know, within my lifetime. Um, but uh, as as much as I'm proud of what we're doing here, and there's still a long way to go, uh, you look at other countries like oh, uh, we get started like Russia, or like you were talking about talking to to uh, someone in Mexico who has to whisper because of what the Catholic Church said. I'm assuming it's the same way in the Philippines, which is a huge Catholic, you know, strides. But in other countries where uh, there's a way long way to go, how do you think that us? Um, progressing here in the u.s and 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 going to helps affect that or do you think that we have to fix things here first before we go over there well i think if if we want to sometimes compartmentalize things right and we live in a world now that is even we have borders it's all you know where does the largest amount of entertainment and television still come from 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 here in hollywood right? right so back to representation number one that 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 makes a big difference um, and how we tell these stories and how, um, and it's not just, I mean, like Spain just had an amazing series called out um, La Veneno um, about Christina Veneno. Um, and, and I think also, and thanks for, for this question is, is that sometimes I like to think that, you know, it's just been like since Stonewall, cause we had the 50th anniversary of Stonewall last year. Right. And actually what I've learned, there's, there's uh, Eric uh, Marcus wrote this wonderful book, um, oral history of gay history and it goes back to the 1930s and 1940s and and this has been going on for for a lot longer than i realized as a a gay man um i we had someone message us today um from turkey asking for help because uh they're afraid that the the one person's transgender spouse identifies as queer and they've been told that 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 their heads are in the community one that they have lived in people are out to get them we have another friend um in africa currently right now um, in Ghana, that um, Ghana right now has had a lot of progress yeah. in, in how we, as, as our leadership, how we, you know, the, the UN Council with Russia and China sometimes blocking things on how we, you know, we handle things for humanity, that can be a blocker, but we still have other ways we can go about and accomplish things. Um, so, but having a president who from day one, who has like, you know, how we refer to people um, in our community and, and also in just people in general, um, that I think is going to make a big difference um, as far as like who and what we are and what, what we do. Um, but I never fail to um, give credit to what each one of us are capable of doing on our own. Too. Yeah. And I, you know, going back to uh, what we said earlier about being an ally, you know, showing up 
being quiet, asking for what, you know, they need help with. Again, like Jeff and I have been really uh, active on being in these different rooms in Clubhouse. And you hear people from all over the world. I mean, I was in a room on a Saturday morning with, it was maybe like three or four people who were in hiding in Ghana in safe houses. Um, and, and we were asking them, what can we do? What can we do? We're here. What can we do for you? And, you know, uh, one of them was very vocal that they had a GoFundMe set up and they're like, we just need funds. If you could help just share, if you could, if you can donate, great. If you can't donate, just share, uh, the link and see if other people will donate. It, it's really just about, uh, creating awareness and like, what, what do I have? What do I have power over doing at this point? And, um, listening to people, uh, and, and being able to, you know, give that way. Yeah. I just, one other thing I just want to say about advocacy, just for a second, it's like, do you remember when you were in school and there was like that bully that was picking on somebody and you were like, I, mean, I think we've all been picked on at some point in our lives. Um, and, and there was that person, that one brave person who stood up for you. Yeah. Like, do you remember what that was like? Like we all can be that brave person for somebody else in the room, whether it's a Trader Joe's or it's at Thanksgiving um, when somebody says something, whether, you know, it's about race, sexual orientation to be like, you know, what, like, not to laugh or to be quiet, like, you know, um, just to speak up and say the truth, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Chris, did you have a question? Yeah. Yeah. Um, first of all, uh, I want to say thank you guys for coming on again. Um, and my question is for you guys, but uh, Ian, you can also answer it as well, because I, I think that, you know, you probably have some insight as well. Um, at what point do you feel like when it comes to, to issues of the LGBTQIA community, or like minority in general issues, like at what point do you do you kind of get to where you feel like, you know, you're tired of asking, you know, answering these questions where like it becomes a thing of personal responsibility to like do some research and figure out like what things are, you know, what you can't say to someone or what you shouldn't say or what you shouldn't tweet or what you shouldn't, you know, put in a TV show or, you know, acts of violence on, on people in minority groups. Like at what point do you, you kind of just like give up on the system because you you guys have these issues since the eighties and other issues have been going on, you know, for the past hundred or so years and it just kind of gets tiring. So where you, where you draw your line? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. It means I know that like self-care is really important. Um, the, the things that like bring me joy are important. Um, chosen family you've seen like you know chosen family if, if, if it's not safe at home like there's no reason why we can't create family on our own like that um, and you know and also we don't have to none of us have to carry the burden all by ourselves mm-hmm. you know none of us are just pushing the wheelbarrow on our own um, we take turns you know and that's the thing is like none of us ever have a bad day all on the same day usually right so we can pivot to the person like you know we can we can share the weight with one another and um, that's why it goes back to instead of this being an eye problem, this is a, oh, not even a problem. This is an opportunity. And there'll be continue to be opportunities. Um, you know, uh, like I said earlier, like the world's not finished yet. It's just continuing to evolve, you know? I, you know, and I think it's also too, it depends on where, like, where the, you know, quote unquote mistake or like the misstep might come from. So if it's malicious, um, and it's, you know, it's coming from a, a negative place, a place of hatred or fear or, you know, whatever that's from. I feel like I'm uh, obviously that's I feel like you get more tired when you see more of that. Um, but if someone missteps and it, they're doing it innocently or they're doing it 
not knowingly, or they want to help, you know, it's coming from a place of love, but it's not being done the right way. I feel like that's just a little bit of an easier way to like make that correction. Um, or it, like Jeff said, it like opens up a conversation. It's a dialogue that you can create, have that conversation with someone and learn. I think, you know, the other thing to this is, th- and this is for me, this is, I'm not talking for anybody else. I'm just saying for me is that, um, so uh, this past week, uh, after the Pope announced um, uh, the thing with the, with the Catholic Church, or that it was announced about the Catholic Church, right. uh, I posted a picture of our wedding on social media. And the caption, basically, you know, all I said, I said what I said, but what it did was it opened up this dialogue. And I wasn't blaming the church. I wasn't saying anything bad against the church. I basically just said that it, it doesn't matter what they say because we're married and uh, I was, we were married by a pastor with our family and friends around us, you know, all of these things. But uh, the point that I made in the post was that all I have control over is how I react and I respond. And, you know, that was the point that I made in the post. And what, what happened was some people came at it like, don't worry about the church. They don't, who cares about what they say? And it's like, that's not the point. The point is, is that there are other people in the world, like Jeff was saying earlier about that young woman in Mexico who doesn't, she, she's stuck. She doesn't have the freedom to not worry about what the church says. So it's my choice and using my power, my ability to be able to, to put this issue out in front of people and open up that dialogue. And after I really would go through and explain, you know, post, you know, post by post to the people who were there, they got it. They understood. So I think sometimes, you know, for me, sometimes it's necessary to engage in that conversation. And, you know, you can always, you can learn so much looking at, you know, looking something up or watching a video, but when somebody, you know, whether you're friends or friend of a friend or family, you know, someone who you care about, you have a personal relationship with, if you can be the one to, to teach or enlighten or just show them maybe a, a different light on something. safe space for that conversation to take place, you know? Right. That it, it, that's what I think then where you're able to start changing hearts and minds. Okay. Ian, do you want to add anything to the conversation? Yeah, I think the, the thing that comes up for me and it's really, it comes out of um, black friends, especially I have some black friends on Facebook who are writers and their Facebook pages are filled with comments from white people asking them these questions that are easily found. You can find these answers on your own. Uh, she calls it emotional labor. Um, and it's stop asking black people to do the emotional labor for you. Uh, I think, so when it comes to these kinds of questions, I think it depends on where it's coming from. If it's something where like somebody wants to know your personal experience, absolutely. If somebody's asking me to explain what it is, to, what gay is or what transgender is, hey, that's you can go on Google and get that shit yourself. Exactly. I'm not here to figure that out for you. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not the wellspring of information. You need to, you know, if you really want to be educated, I think people who really want to be educated know where to find it. I yeah. think there's, but there's a lot of people who just want somebody to explain everything to them, or they want to show that, hey, I really do care. And they want somebody like, you're good, you're a good Karen, thank you. Um, there's a lot of performative stuff, especially on Facebook, I think, with people asking questions. So it really just depends on where it's coming from. You have to read the room, I think, in some ways. Yeah, uh, me personally, I've never had an issue where I felt like somebody was asking me too many questions or asking me too personal questions. I will tell you some shit about my life. I don't even care. Um, but I think there are definitely people who 
are asking for the wrong reasons and it's because they want to start a fight or they want to perpetuate a stereotype and they want you to engage them in that. And I don't have the emotional energy to engage somebody with that anymore. I don't get into flame wars with people. So I think it's fine. I think it's fine to ask questions as long as it's sincere and it's something that maybe you're like, yeah, I've looked this up and I don't really understand what they're talking about or I've done the research, but I have more questions. Sure. Why not? Yeah. And I think, you know, being able to have that, that those conversations or the dialogue, especially with friends and family, you know, and I think it's like being able to, to help facilitate those conversations. It really creates a little bit, it's, there's like a little bit more of a trust factor there. And then they're really getting a little bit more of an understanding of, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're talking about. So, and I think that like, I can't speak for somebody else's experience. That's uh, so with, with one thing with we do with talk out loud though, that was really important um, when we started making this uh, was to have resources available for each episode. Yeah. So every person has a profile page on our website where they can get, because they're the experts. Some of these people have so much knowledge, right? And I can be like, hey, like check out their check out their episode, and then you can go on there, you know, and look at that, 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 what they're recommending that's helped them. And um, and the thing is, actually, I just want to say is that what I think is interesting, being on the backside of the work we do, is that what I didn't know going into this, which makes total sense, is is that a lot of times the people that are actually listening to our episodes or I'm hearing back like from a friend of a friend or a family member. It's people that are not from the community, but it's a safe place where they can tiptoe into the room, listen to the conversation and not, you know, be not be seen. You know, it's a safe place to, to, to sit there and listen. Um, and that's been just really I've been really grateful to be able to put that out into the world um, well, to create that. And what that's doing is like going back to what you, uh, what, you know, what was asked earlier. It's like it, it's creating more like it's normalizing us more to other people. It's making us more boring, you know, Uh, so that people can understand and that they're the fear or whatever misunderstanding they might have is taken away. Right. I I, I just want to add, I saw your wedding picture and it's absolutely gorgeous by the way. (laughs) Elizabeth. Um, Yeah. Thank you guys for coming on. And I'm so glad you mentioned disclosure because I saw it when it come out last year or a year before. Anyway, I was I was blown away because it was like so many things I just didn't know. And I'm fascinated by like the representation issue in Hollywood, which brings me to my question, which is um, a lot of progress has been made. But like when you are watching something, what are you kind of looking for in terms of being represented? And then sort of this is a two-parter how important is it for an LGBTQIA plus member to get ready mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to play that character themselves? Cause like the prom comes to mind where James Corden yeah. played this gay character and it really didn't work. <laughs> could they just have Brooks ask me, ask me just do this. I mean, he did it in Broadway. It was great. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, it's a great question. It's a great question. Yeah. And, and I, what I, I know from disclosure, right, is mm. that it, it talks about the importance before, like how a man would play a woman, mm-hmm. and it how that perpetuated. But listen, I'm going to butcher this because they do such a really good job of right. this. Is why I really recommend seeing it. But when when Pose came out and mm-hmm. the cast was was for the first time ever, um, four or five trans women of color, which the average lifespan today, not 20 years ago, today is 36 years old, years of age. Yeah. Right. And so 
to be able to have them on television to be seen as we can all get to know them. Like being able to see India on her Instagram now off the screen because she's living her daily life as not just, you know, so do I'm not, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a writer or a director or a casting agent. Um, there is literally no representation right now of intersex people on television. There is, I think I can count on one, maybe two hands. And unfortunately, Pose comes to an end this, this year. Um, and so that's going to take five or six characters off. off. But the amount of, tra- and actually RuPaul's Drag Race, we've had now some trans characters. But when people start to have been able to have been able to see that they've seen a trans person, you know, um, when it was Mark Siegel snuck on, um, on the news uh, in 1969, 1970. And back then only 10% of the world thought they'd ever seen like a gay person. And after that night happened when he was on Walter Cronkite, 70% of the United States now had seen a gay person. Right. And, and so, so that's, I mean, I think it's important to understand what are we trying to accomplish here and how best can we do that um, with this representation? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know what, and, and, and also it's a timeline, like some of these people that were playing these trans actors, like that was the envelope that got pushed to have them. And we just, mm-hmm. you know, one thing leads to another, leads to another. Um, kind of like we talked about with Will and Grace and Ellen and how, you know, she, her show was canceled, but then she was able to come back and have her show after, she got to stand on her own shoulders, literally, from the work that she had done 15 years ago, you know? So, Yeah, I think right now, too, uh, just at the stage that we're at, that there is a, uh, an importance of um, having, um, you know, queer people play these roles. I, I just, it's just my own personal, you know, take on it. I think that, um, especially for uh, transgender people, that, you know, for so long, we haven't seen these characters. And now that these roles are here, that this is, this is now open doors for pe- for transgender people to be on television and to be in movies. So I, I mean, I know it's a, it's a, it's, there's, I, I've, I've heard both sides of the stories. I've, and, and I understand, you know, I, I can understand, I, I, I can hear it, but I think uh, for me, I think it's important to see uh, queer people playing those yeah. roles. And also, yeah. not just queer, but also diverse, like, you know, Correct. diversity. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, I mean, it, it took us a while, even with race. I mean, you look at mm-hmm. yeah. Mickey Rooney and, uh, uh, you know. Oh, best not to look at that. Best no, no, but I mean, like, <laughs> the point I'm making is that it took us a while for us to say, hey, wait a minute. We need to have, you mm-hmm. know, uh, uh, performers that are. of the, 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 So it's yeah. the same thing. That's That's my argument on it is. Uh, we we can they're 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 out there and they're great and they're talented and there should be no reason yeah. why we can't make the effort to 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 do that. So yeah, and you know I think now it's like when you watch something where there you don't see any diversity of any kind, it's it does jump out and it does jump out off the screen like you do see it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's you know it's like and once you once you see that you can't unsee it and then every time you see it it's like wait a minute there's no. Uh, you know, person that looks like me on the screen in this show. So, right. So, any final questions for Jeff and Anthony? So, Jeff, Anthony, thank you so much for joining Actually, us. I do have, I, I oh. do have one more thing. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I want to ask you guys. Um, Ian kind of surprised us today with the mustache. So, <laughs> so, I want to ask you: Would you say it's more 
uh, 19th century, uh, 19th century British detective or 1970s ice cream truck driver. Or yeah. 70s porn star. Just get my wig. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I think it's more like 2020, like, you know, just kind of wear it and own it yourself, you know? <laughs> I'm doing my best, trying. I'm trying. Just, I'm out there, you know. Yeah, you know, with a smile like that, you can pull it off. So you're good. Uh-huh. <laughs> there you uh, go. <laughs> I, I had to do that. So thank you again, Jeff Anthony, for joining us. You can listen to Talk Out Loud on every major podcast site and app. And if you want more information, you can go to their website. It's talk-outloud.com. The information will also be on our screen. That's our show for tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you back here again tomorrow at 6 p.m. Bye, everyone. Stay safe.